Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Morning, everybody. Good to be with you. Uh, If I haven't had the privilege of meeting you, my name is David. I'm the location pastor here. And... um, uh, man, love to see the youth up involved reading scripture. We had a youth worship light, youth worship night. <clears throat> Last night, uh, encounter up here. Heard great things. Heard God was moving uh, powerfully last night. And um, in fact, uh, May, is May here? May, I, Samantha texted me last night that God really met in a powerful way with you. Can we just, uh, and she said she prayed with you to give your life to Jesus. Okay, church, can we just celebrate this? Praise God. Praise God. Man. Love, love the kids. Uh, love the blessing that I love what God's doing in this next generation. Um, we've been spending some time, quite some time in the gospel of Matthew, and, and uh, we're going to continue that uh, today. And uh, before uh, we jump into that, let me, let me just ask a quick question. Um, how many of you are familiar uh, with the game show, Let's Make a Deal? All right, all right, all right. Let's make a deal. Okay, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of that show. Um, I'm a, sorry, filter, filter. I, let me just recenter myself here. Um, I worked at a skilled nursing facility for, for years, and, uh, and one thing that I learned about the people in my facility is they love their game shows. Like, I'm, I'm not making that generalization about all old people. I'm just saying, like, those, they really like their game show. And let's make a deal. I just felt like, for whatever reason, it was always on. And it always got, grabbed my attention because um, they did a really good job of creating this tension in the show. So if you don't know the show, it's fine. What they would do is they would pull a contestant up, like all game shows, and um, they would let them almost let them win a prize. So let's say they get up there and they win $5,000 and they're celebrating and we got $5,000. And then this is what, this, and then the, the plot thickens because what they, the host does then is he says, okay, now listen, you can keep your $5,000. You can walk away or you can take what's behind curtain number one, which could be a grand prize of up to $100,000. And there's the, and then, and then there's like all, this is when the awkward tension comes in and I change the channel because I can't bear those moments. Um, but but they, they create this tension, right? There's this dilemma. They're faced with this situation where now they gotta, they gotta really count the costs. Like I gotta think about this. Wait a second, I was just celebrating over this $5,000 I have. Now they're offering something like a potentially life-changing amount of money Am I willing to let this go, to, to go for this over here? And uh, we count the cost all the time. Every time we make a decision, we count the cost of something. We count the cost of, of, our, of, what, it, of, of what it will take of our energy, of our time, of our money, of our social capacity. Like we are constantly counting the cost uh, of things. And, and in our story today, we've got this, this young man who gains an audience with Jesus. And he's after a prize. He's not after just a prize. He's after the grand prize. Like he's not looking for $100,000. He's looking for the keys to heaven, access to eternity, like eternal life. Like that's what he's going after. That's what he wants. And he's gonna find himself in this predicament where 
like many times, but probably on a much greater scale, he has to count the cost. And he has to step into a space where he probably like literally doesn't know what's gonna, gonna happen next. And we're gonna take a close look at, at this story. And, um, and I'd like to, to uh, introduce you to you know, our contestant today, so to speak, stay on theme, this rich young ruler. Uh, there's not a lot about it, him, that lot, not a lot of details that the Bible gives us, but the details that it gives us are very, very important. Uh, the, this story is told in three of the gospels, Mark, Luke, and Matthew, our current gospel. And in the gospel of Luke, uh, the Greek word used to describe this man as ruler, it, it is likely that he had an authoritative administrative power, um, that he was successful. So whatever he was, it doesn't say what kind of ruler he was, but he was very successful and he had, and he had some level of authority. It also describes this man as young. And the Greek word they use to describe young pegs him in the area between 20 and 40. And so if you're between that age group, just let you know, we're, I'm 39, I'm holding on to it. I'm still young. Did you hear that, Claire? She in the room? I'm still young, despite what my daughters say about me. And they say he's wealthy. They use the word spoldra. Greek word spoldra. Say spoldra. Now say it like a Greek. I don't know how to say it like a Greek. I just wanted to see if you knew how to say it like a Greek. Sfoldra is this Greek word, and, it, and, and it's this word that translated means exceedingly. Exceedingly. So he's not kind of wealthy. He's not had a good year. This man is exceedingly wealthy. We don't like this guy very much. Rich, young, successful. We don't like him because we want to be just like him, if we're honest. We dream about living this way. And I know you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Yes, you do. <laughs> if you've ever played the game, what would you do if you won a million dollars? What would you do if you won the lottery? Like, and what do, you know what we're doing every time we play games like that? We're asking the question, what would you do if money wasn't a limiting factor? You know why? Because we dream about a life where money is not a limiting factor. Wouldn't that be nice? This guy had exceeding wealth. He bought the property he wanted to buy. He bought the fine linens that he wanted to dress in. He bought the food that he wanted. He wasn't worried about filling his kids' lunch accounts next week or paying the mortgage or, or covering that credit card bill. He wasn't worried about that. He's exceedingly wealthy. And it just, get, I mean, he just gets worse and worse because not only is he young, successful, exceedingly wealthy, but it seems like he's a good guy. I mean, let's just, let's just consider the text. It says this, he engages this conversation with Jesus. He asks him, he says, I'm trying to get eternal life. Jesus says, great. Obey the commandments. He says, which ones? And this is, this is what our text says. Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. So you shall not lie. Honor your father and your mother and the pinnacle shall, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And incredibly, this rich young man exclaims, I've done all these things. 
I've done all these things, which fascinates me that he would say that. I'm like, who can say that? But you know what's also fascinating to me? Jesus doesn't contradict him. And I want to get, I'll get to that in a minute, but I think that's fascinating. Jesus doesn't contradict him. So let's assume, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's assume for a moment he's telling the truth. That as impossible as it feels, he's kept the letter of the law of all these commandments. He hasn't lied. He hasn't been unfaithful to his wife. He hasn't murdered. He's honored his parents. And he's been as good to those around him, loved those around him as he loves himself. Let's assume he's telling the truth. This guy is rich. He is successful. And he is acing the morality test. If this is true, this is a guy that we would all look at. We would all look at, every single one of us, and we'd think, man, that's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's a guy of character. He's a guy of integrity. He's someone you'd look at and say, come on, I want to be around him. Let's just say his name's Johnny. I'm not, I just saw Johnny sitting over here on the left. So I'm going to name the guy in the story Johnny. Don't worry, I'm not picking on you. Johnny, all right? Let's just call the rich young ruler Johnny. Johnny, you know, I mean, he's a guy that we'd be like, we would want our kids to be around Johnny. We'd be like, don't you want to be a little bit more like Johnny? See how he honors his mother and father? Like, you see how kind he is? Like, this is the guy that we would want influencing our children. If he's an adult, this is the guy that we would want to hang out with. He's kind. He's generous. He's, he's, he's got all the endearing qualities. He's, in he's got integrity. This is a guy we want to be like. This is a guy we want to be around. Abundant possessions, successful, good character. And at this point, I want to, I want to focus on what the young man says, and then we're going to take a look at what Jesus says. And these, these four words, honestly, I've never really sat with them too much until I, I kind of dug into this text again for, for, this, for this morning. And, and they, they, they grab my attention. The last words written in this story that we hear the young man, this rich young ruler speak is a question to Jesus. He says, what am I lacking? And maybe you're like me and you've just like breezed past those four very important words. And it can be kind of annoying, you know, like maybe we're initially kind of annoyed. Like, why is he asking what more he can do? Like, he's already got the A, like he's going for extra credit. And it's like, can I just settle down, dude? Like, you're doing just fine. We're trying to get where you are. Commentator, one commentator wrote, there was still something lacking in his life. Reflecting something missing in his relationship with God. Remember, this, this rich young ruler, he sought Jesus out. He's on the search because while he has everything, while he has everything we think we want, he still isn't satisfied. He isn't fulfilled. He isn't content. He isn't at peace. He hears these stories about Jesus who has all of these answers, who's doing these amazing things. And those, he doesn't come up to him and he doesn't get before him and call him Lord. He calls him teacher. Jesus for him is the latest and greatest, the newest trending guy, the smartest guy in the room. He's, he is discontent in his soul. There's something lacking in his life and, he's, and he seeks Jesus out thinking, maybe he'll have the answer for me. He seeks a teacher, but what he doesn't realize is he's encountering the living God. 
He had acquired, he had reputation, and it wasn't enough. And let me just pause to caution you. You may be here as, and, or maybe you're in this place, and I, the, I've been in this place, we've all been in this place, where you're living in a place where you're like, if I can just get fill in the blank, then, then I'll be satisfied. Then I'll be happy. And it's really, really, really easy for us to not see the things in our own life that we really, really want, that we, as we talk about them, we know we don't need them, but we really, really want them. We want that relationship. We want that job. We want that success. We want that career. We want that comfort. We want those things. And the reality is, if we have all of those things and we don't have God, you are gonna be no more filled with peace, joy, and hope. The temptation that I think we fall into a little bit is we think, well, if I was in that position, if I had his money, if I had his circumstances, I, I would be grateful. Like I wouldn't be like him. I'd be different. No, you wouldn't. You ever do that? You like, I mean, there's a temptation to fold our arms and look at these people in the Bible and think, how did they, how can't they, why can't they see it? We look at Adam and Eve. I cannot believe they ate the fruit. I just can't, can't get over it. <laughs> Messed everything up for everybody. God didn't give us these stories so we can fold our arms and judge. He gave us these stories because we're just like these people in the Bible. We're just like them. We make the same mistakes. We get caught up in the same things, the same distractions. We let our heart and our desires go out to things outside of God. We start pursuing the gifts of God rather than God himself. We all, are, we all do this. We all try hard. We all try to be a little bit better. We know, we know it's not about our performance, right? You know, if, you, if you've grown up in a grace-filled church, if, hopefully if you've been here, you know when we preach, it's God's grace. It is his performance, not ours we stand on, but it's, it's so different and it's so easy to say that. It's, it's another thing to live it, trust it, believe it, walk it out. He's still lacking, he's still unsatisfied. So what does Jesus say to him? And here's the great thing about Jesus. He answers this question. He doesn't say, oh, I hope you figure it out. No, no, Jesus says, look, you're, you're at point A, you're searching. You want, you, you're, you, you want what's behind curtain number one. You know what's behind curtain number one? Access to heaven, eternal life, peace forever. Like you can't even fathom like how great this is over here. You wanna know how to get there? He just says, come and follow me. Oh, and go sell all your possessions. Can we just skip over that part? Listen, I, I, you know why I don't think Jesus debated this man whenever he said, I've kept all these commandments. I mean, that's, I don't know that anyone really believes. Like, 
It'd be a miracle. Let's just say that. It'd be a miracle for this man, his whole life to keep all of those commandments. But you know why I don't think Jesus debated him? He didn't say like, hey, 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 in 2011, you said you were going to Brad, you were going to study at Bradco and you really went to Brad's party. Like, I know you didn't keep, you didn't meet that commandment. No, no, no. See, I don't think Jesus is interested in winning an argument. I think he's interested in winning this young man's heart. That's what he's after. So doesn't, we so often get sidetracked and caught up in words. And did you really say that? And no, that's right. It can't be right. No, no, no. God's after our heart. He doesn't get caught up. He doesn't get distracted. And, and I love how the gospel of Mark says, when the moment he said, I've done these things to Jesus, and says in the gospel of Mark, it says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. See, he's after this young man's heart. And let me tell you something. No matter what circumstance you're going through, whatever you're walking out, whatever God's put before you to, to cling to or let go, listen, God's after your heart. That's what I know for a fact. He is after your heart. He was after this young man's heart. He wasn't interested in proving him wrong. And I genuinely believe that's what Jesus wants to happen. He looks at him. He loves him. He, he sees past all the externals. He sees past the lip service. I mean, this is a guy that would say, I love God, I want to go to heaven. Jesus saw, heard that, but he saw into his heart. And what did he see? He saw a man who loved his possessions. That's what he loved. That's what he loved. And Jesus asks him to do the hardest thing that he could ever imagine. He just says, go. Get, he doesn't say get rid of some stuff. Not half, not most. He says, go and get rid of everything. Everything. Here's another mistake we make. We think, man, I'm glad I'm not that guy. Jesus hasn't asked me to do that. Listen, if you are a Christian, if you have faith in Jesus, if you are a follower of him, every single one of us, he has asked us, to lay everything at the foot of the cross. Everything. He's asked us to trust him with our children, parents, with our siblings, with our parents, our family, our friends, our circumstances, our job, where we live. He's asked us to trust him with everything. And in his kindness... When we start to go after the things rather than him, he will gently, because he loves you, just like he loved this young man, he's gonna point it out to you. He's gonna disrupt your life. Man, Jesus, he will mess your life up. He will. And there is this, there, and I'll clarify that for a minute, but like there's just this idea, we see it, I see it too much where we create a God that just comes and he joins into my life and then he helps me get to where I think I ought to be going. And, we, and he's really, he's an enabling friend. He's not really a God over all things, sovereign, beginning and end who has the power to bring the dead to life. He's not this God who, I mean, I, that's why we, I love the line in Lion and Witch in the Wardrobe when they ask about Aslan, he's this lion, he's this God character. And he says, and they ask the question, is he safe? Like, no, he's not safe, but he's good. Listen, if you're on a journey with God, he is going to ask you, 
to do things that don't make sense, to give up things that you don't want to give up, to trust him when circumstances that, that, that you don't see the other side of. But where your resting place is, is not knowing how it's going to turn out. Your resting place is knowing that he's good and that he's working all things for good. And that in his heart, what he wants, because he loves you, is to liberate you, is to free you, is to heal you. That's your resting place. And what we want to do is, Jesus says, come on, follow me. And we're like, well, uh, how long is the journey going to be? How much is it going to cost? How much of my time am I going to have to give up? Am I going to be inconvenienced? Is it going to be uncomfortable? He's just like, come and follow me. Hey, there's going to be good days and bad. There's going to be storms. There's going to be shipwrecks. There's going to be sunny days and lots of provision. It's going to be everything in between. The question is, do you trust me? That's his question to me. That's his question to you. Do you trust him? Is he good? This is a shocking, this shocked me a little bit as I, as I, really, as I really gave myself to thinking on this. Because this young rich ruler, he's, he is, he's faced with this dilemma. Jesus has given him a clear path, an invitation to come along, an invitation to come along. And he doesn't take it. He's not willing to let go. Tim Keller, Pastor Tim Keller, I really liked what he said about this text. He said, listen, Jesus, God, he asks more than we ever could think of, that we could ever imagine. He will. But he's also better than we could ever imagine. And you find that out on the journey of following him. You want to find out? You got to go. I don't know. He, he, I'm just, I wish, I wish, I wish he told me what tomorrow would bring. I wish he would tell me how we're going to overcome difficult circumstances and painful seasons. I wish he would tell me. I wish. It, I would worry less. But there's a pathway to peace and it's not through knowing, it's not through controlling, it's by releasing and putting our hope and faith in him. Let's, let this reality sober us for a minute. This young man, this young man that genuinely, like we said, we would say, this is a good guy. He's done well. He's a guy we'd want to be like. As he walks away from Jesus in this moment, he is not on a path to heaven. He's on a path to hell. Just let that sober us for a minute. I hope after this moment, like somehow God did something in his heart and he did let it all go and he did run after Jesus. We don't know that that happens though. And this messes with us. This is a reality that messes with us because here's the thing that we, we can do subconsciously, sometimes consciously. We tie God's acceptance, God's love with our circumstances. I've done this so much in my life. I got the job. God's happy with me. He loves me. I got laid off. God's disappointed with me. I got pregnant. God's happy with me. 
I can't get pregnant. God's not happy with me. I passed the test. God's happy with me. I failed the test. God's not happy with me. We tie and marry our circumstances to who God is, which really gives us a very emotionally unstable God. It's not who he is. And I think there's just this invitation. There's an invitation today for God, for us to trust in the unchanging God, the God who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, the the, the pathway to peace and joy in that settling deep in our soul is not by God giving us what we want. It's not by God giving us that career. It's not by us arriving at some level of income or have some kind of relationship or have so many children. Like while those things are all good and blessings from God that ultimately will not lead to our peace and our resting place. Our peace and our resting place come when we attach God, the unchanging God, the unfailing God with who he is. We know that he is good. We know that we can trust him. And sometimes, because this will be very normal for you is in that I, we, we do this, we question his goodness. And here's my encouragement to you. Find something in your life that you can go back to when you start to question his goodness, because you will start to question his goodness. If you are human, you will start to question his goodness at some point. And we need a resting place. For me, I come back to the cross. When I start to feel like, man, life feels pretty messed up. I'm pretty, pretty worn out. I'm pretty dissatisfied. And I'm not feeling like God loves me. Come back to the cross because on the cross... And just like Jesus looked at this man and he had love for him, he looked on you and I and he has love for us. And even though we are broken people who have had done our fair share of wrong things, even though we don't deserve heaven, scripture is so abundantly clear about this. Psalm 53 says, God looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. They've all fallen away. Together, they have become corrupt. There's none who does good, not even one. God, Bible's so clear. We don't deserve heaven. We don't get to stand on our morality or our good deeds and say, this, look at what I've done to get in there. No, 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 no. We stand, stand alone that Christ and Christ crucified. Jesus, perfect, sinless, never lied, never sinned. Jesus looked at me and he gave his life for me. He said, you deserve hell, but but I'm gonna go in your place and I'm gonna be nailed to a tree and my body will be broken and my blood will be spilled so that you can be liberated, so that you can be healed, so that you can be righteous. When Jesus tells the young man to be perfect, he's never gonna be perfect in his own standing. He's, what Jesus wants him to see is that he's only gonna be perfect if he is hidden in Jesus, if he is hidden in Christ, if he has received what he is so graciously inviting him into and that's a relationship with him. The come follow me isn't just another thing that the guy has to do. Jesus is saying, no, come be with me. Receive me, go with me. Make me Lord of your life. And all those things that you want, all those things that you're looking for, I'll add to you. The rich young ruler was shaken up after encountering not a good teacher as he called him, but the living, the living God. I believe that God wants to give you assurance today. And I believe that God wants to give you comfort today. And I believe that if you are feeling anxious about anything, God has peace for you that's available today.
but it's likely not going to come in the form of an answer. It's going to come in the form of putting your trust in him and say, God, even though I don't understand, even though I don't see it, I'm going to go with you because I see that you're good. I see that you're faithful. God will disrupt our life, but he is going to be so abundantly good to you. And if he does disrupt your life, which he will, I've never met a Christian that has walked with God faithfully for any length of time who doesn't have a story of something they gave up, something they've surrendered, something they walked away from, something extreme. And here's their story. When they have followed through, every one of them has a story of this is how God met me. This is how God provided. This is how God gave me peace. I promise that if you say yes to God, he's gonna meet you. He's gonna give you the revelation you need, the hope that you need, the joy that you need. He is better. He's more faithful. He is more steadfast. He is more sure. He is more lavish in his gifts. He is more generous than we could ever, ever imagine. If you're standing on your morality, if you are standing on your good deeds, God wants you to walk away from that, put that to death and receive what he has for you. Will you stand and we're gonna pray together. Band's gonna come and we're gonna worship and I just wanna encourage you to ask the question. Ask God the question, God, is there anything in my life that I am putting my hope in outside of you? You know, there's a once and for all moment that this happens where we surrender our life. God makes us born again. We are, we are free. We are forgiven. We are secure in the Father's hand. There's this once and for all moment of salvation that happens. But throughout our journey with God, maybe you've been a Christian for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Listen, I know that you have stories where, God, where from time to time, You've started getting your attention pulled in a different direction and God's called you back. Maybe that's happening today. Maybe there's something like, I just don't, I'm not ready to bring this to God. Like I'm fine with him taking all this over here, but there's this piece of my heart. There's this circumstance. There's this relationship. There's this job. There's this mood, whatever it is. Like there's something I'm not really ready to release to him and say, God, what do you want? Because I know what I want. His invitation to you is to trust him as the one who is good, as the one who knows what's good for you over everyone else in this world. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for loving us so much that you spoke the truth. You showed us the path. You've given us the revelation we need in your holy word. Jesus, we thank you that we don't stand on our morality. You destroyed that. There is no good works that get us to heaven. We don't stand on perceived blessing, God. We stand on Jesus Christ, your death, your resurrection, the fact that we are hidden in you, the fact that we are forgiven by you, the fact that you have separated us from our sin as far as the east is from the west. That is the God that we cling to, that we follow, that we go with God. Lord, give us the courage. Give us the courage to be vulnerable, to share, to open up, and to let go, and to trust in you today. Amen. Amen.